that they can literally program how much meat you can buy, okay? If people understood blockchain the way I understood it, once I understood what blockchain was, I was terrified. So you're not concerned, you, you, you don't think that it's just to track the money, but it's to limit your ability to spend the money. Also. It's gonna enslave humanity. Same thing with Andrew with Andrew Tate. Like, I don't have a problem with your message. Your delivery is so bad, nobody can pay attention to your message. I don't find the timing, I find the timing to be extremely, you know, fishy. Yeah. But I can't also sit here and say, I don't think this guy's never done anything wrong in his life. Oh, no, no, no. You don't operate. As someone that comes from that part of the world. Yeah, he should. You don't operate in those countries, bro. Especially strip clubs. Yeah. Unless you're dealing with some, some crazy shit. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm here with Beck Lover. Uh, he is a New York socialite. Socialite? What? what nightlife legend. Night, nightlife legend. Socialite. Nightlife le legend. And if you think that I'm not a modest person, then <laughs> like Beck is is on the same scale as me. So uh, he's done a, a, a ton of stuff. Uh, he's got a, a bunch of interesting stories, really interesting guy, uh, a good friend of uh, Tyler, which is uh, both of our- um, Shout out uh, to Tyler. Booking agent and- uh, Tyler Sherman. Tyler Sherman. And so, yeah, we're gonna get right into it. And uh, I got some questions and there's a bunch of things that he's, um, connected to and has some stories about and so we're gonna get into it matt first so. and foremost it's nice to to be on your show i want to thank you again for coming on my show about a year ago or a little bit more than a year ago it's nice to be down here in the beautiful free state of florida, florida. and uh i always tell people if i had your hair i probably never would have got married that's when i started seeing the receding hairline i'm like okay i gotta pull the trigger i gotta get one in you're a good looking dude bro and I don't think there's anything wrong with a man complimenting another man. People go, oh, that's, yeah, that's you know, I, I say, like, you know, if someone's handsome, you know, let them know. Listen, when you look like this, you just have to accept it. You're, you know, you're telling me, oh, I got to work out. I'm not doing too good. You're bad. You're bad weight or whatever you think you are. I'll take that. <laughs> you're bad would be like my dream to have Matt Cox body. Like I need to lose 110 pounds, man. I'm dying. I mean, it's it, 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 it. Listen, it's a struggle because there's so much food everywhere, and it's everything so good. And and the worst thing is, like I I, I had mentioned earlier, was that I I was like one sixty one sixty five, and I started doing the um the TRT right, the testosterone replacement therapy with um, Ryan Root because I was explaining to him that I'm like, look, man, I'm working out. I'm saying no gains. You know, you get older where like you'll bump into the wall and you've got a bruise and you're like, and it's there for two weeks. You're like, what the fuck's going on? How I do just, I have a bruise for two weeks? I just hit 40 myself, man. And, you know, I'm 110 pounds overweight. I was overweight before everything started. You know, we're avoiding certain words. Right, I want right. this episode to get out there. I want the masses to know who Matt is because you're a great orator. You're a great speaker. You're an interesting cat. We say certain words, guess what? The episode doesn't go where it needs to go. Yeah, yeah. I've had but it. when everything started a couple of years ago, right? Two, three years ago, these weird times that we're living in, I was already overweight. I ended up getting another 50, 60 pounds, man. And New York City, for those of us that lived up there during this thing, I got to say it was probably the worst place in the country to be in during everything that happened. You know, literally overnight, the city just changed. 
it was, saw that video of you and you went out to like Times Square yeah. and it was empty and you were like, I'm out here. He's got his he's got his phone and you're like, I'm out here in Times Square. And I've been in Times Square. I went there, I shot an episode of uh, my true crime story with um uh, VH one like maybe six months ago or something, and it's packed it's packed all the time. Just Times Square. The city has not returned to what it was before. And you know the reason I'm down here is not just to to see you guys, which is always a pleasure, but uh, you know I hate to say it, but the king of New York might be jumping ship himself, and it's a very I, I'm trying not to. I got very close to to moving down here a year ago. Having children right now in that environment is extremely stressful, and what's going on up there, and the way things seem like they're going right back the other way. And again, we're avoiding a lot of keywords here. So you know, for those of you that know that you know, it changed overnight, Matt. The core of business there in the city has not returned. The heart of New York is midtown Manhattan, that corporate structure. My mother works for one of the biggest companies in the world. They do publishing. I don't want to mention the name. Okay, One of the biggest in the world. They're in the heart of midtown Manhattan. She still hasn't stepped foot back into her office. We're three years later. So what else do you want to know? All of that office space, they're talking about converting into you know residential living quarters. I'm like, but where's the core of New York, right? That's the heart of the city is, is the business sector. So, yeah, is it a little bit better? And if I'm a tourist, I come back to New York and it seems busier, you know, and to them, compared to other places, New York always seems a little bit busier because there's, there's millions of people that live there. All right. They say 500,000 people left. If I had to guess, that number is at least a million, to, in my opinion, in the New York City area, well over two, three million. So maybe not just the course. Remember, most people live on the outskirts of the city, and then they they Commute. go into the city. So the amount of people in my network alone in nightlife that have left New York and moved to Miami, I would say twenty percent of my network is now in Miami. So I don't see that trend ending. I see, I see a second wave coming. I believe they're going to go through everything we went through already. The first time around, and again, we're, we're avoiding words here for a reason. Everything we went through in New York, I believe is going to happen again, and I believe it's going to happen very soon. And I believe you're going to have that second exodus, as I call it. The most disturbing thing for me was, you know, when everything started, I left immediately. I didn't even wait for it to come to America when everything shut down. I literally pulled my children out of school one month before it hit our shores. You've seen certain things on the news, certain images. We didn't know what was coming at us. And I'm not going to take a second chance with something that could possibly destroy us, right? I got my kids out, and I did what they call bugged out. I, I went three hours away from the city. While they were fighting for toilet paper, I was already out. And that's how you treat a dangerous situation. When you're a father, when you're, you know, you're a husband, you're, you, know, you have a family, whatever the case is, when you've got people that you love that you're in charge for, and there's something that could be a threat to those people, you can't take second chances. You got one shot. And I guess this comes from a lot of my background too, you know? So I'm a first generation. You know, some people tell me my terminology is wrong. My mom came in when she was five. I'm the first one in my family born in America. That's the first generation. Yeah, first generation. So right? some people tell me I'm, I'm wrong. I'm you're a, first no. generation American, right? I'm first so, generation born here. Yeah. So I how can you be first generation if you weren't born here? I always thought you have to, you know, yeah, your family came, but you're first generation when you're actually born in the U.S. Right. And my family came here to escape two really horrible places, right, at the time. So my family, my mom's side came from communist Albania. And my grandfather, 
Garas his soul. He was an anti-communist fighter in the mountains of Albania. They eventually got overrun, and my great-grandfather, may he rest, told my grandfather, someone's got to make it out of here. And he commanded my grandfather. My grandfather didn't want to leave. He said, you got to take your family and get over that mountain. And that was the beginning of their journey coming to us. My great-grandfather eventually ended up in a gulag-type prison. He did 28 years. How he survived, I don't know. He eventually got out and lived about a year and a half after that. My great-grandmother, his wife, was hung immediately. The rest of my family was taken to internment camps uh, in Albania at that time. So anyone that was considered uh, sympathizers with those that stood against that tyranny and that darkness lived in... um, what they called internment, and you were, you know, blacklisted in the regime. You weren't given certain privileges, and you know the people there suffered for a good forty, fifty years until it eventually fell. What was the uh, what's the name of the um, the God. dictator? Yeah, his name was Enver Hoxha, but Americans pronounce pronounce it Hoxha because it's spelled H O X H A. He was brutal. He was brutal, and what people don't realize is that Albania was the only atheist country at one point in the whole world officially atheist right and it was the most isolated country in the world more isolated than north korea is today you wouldn't have had dennis rodman playing basketball they would have they would have blown his brains out if he came to albania and tried to do that like no one no one was allowed in you know when you live in new york you have a large russian population so sometimes i like to go to sheep's head bay and throw a line and you know and fish a little bit on one of those party boats a lot of Russians over there, and we'll talk, and they'd be like, listen, man, during you know communism, Soviet Union, you guys were crazy. We would roll up to your port. We'd drop off supplies. We weren't even allowed to get off the boat. So even other communists weren't coming to Albania. No one was allowed in. No one was allowed out. And what's interesting is there was bunkers everywhere. I was just going to say that. Every they, house. They, they, did, couldn't they put like half the population underground? Because they were they so still concerned. can. They were so concerned about a nuclear uh, war. That they were going to survive it. That like they their whole thing was to to prepare for the nuclear war so they could survive it. And they had all the they. That's where um, every house almost had a bunker, man. That's where uh, well, and 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 in all the mountains and all the yeah, caves and all that and, asphalt. That guy could have just built the most beautiful roads at the time, right? So yeah. it's crazy. So like, what a waste, you know. And my mom's family, um, you know, is associated with the royal family. So my great uncle was the minister of the royal family. Shout out to Prince Lech, very good friend of mine, the Prince of Albania crown prince and you know one thing that albanians are very proud of is you know we have a very tragic history bro we are you know i don't care what anyone says and and the truth is coming out because we were always occupied we were occupied first by the romans then by the turks 500 years under them america is not even 500 years old right and then after that the world war one world war two and then we went into communism so our history never had a chance to come out man and for the first time archaeologists are there and the the truth is coming out brother we are one of the oldest if not the oldest people in all of europe our language is one of the most original in the sense that it comes from nothing else so languages are grouped like in latin slavic languages russian polish right albanian if you look it up in 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 linguistics is the only original indo-european language in existence so the albanians trace their lineage to the ancient Pelagicians, who became the ancient Illyrians, and the largest tribe of the Illyrians was the Albanoi. That's where the word Albanian comes from. It's also the same way when you think of the Israelites. They had tribes, and the largest tribe was the Judeans. That's where the word Jew comes from. But what about the other tribes? 
Albanians don't call ourselves Albanian. The world calls us that. The word that we call ourselves is Shiptar. Ship, ship, Shiptar means, uh, you know, Shipria is the actual word that we use for our country. And the reason I say this is important because, you know, it's my obligation as someone who was blessed to be born in this country of ours and a freedom that my family never had. My dad was from a place called Kosovo. In 1998, it finally erupted into a war. So when the Ottoman Empire collapsed, unfortunately, the West, but if it wasn't for America, so what, what Americans don't understand and the West doesn't understand, and right now there's a little bit of a riff in the UK with Albanians. And it, it's, it's very upsetting to our people because we're portrayed in this horrible way in the movies, the movie Taken, mm-hmm. Taken 1, Taken yeah. 2. Okay, Marco from Tropoya. I'm from Tropoya. That's where my mother's family's from. My great-great-grandfather's statue stands in Tropoya, literally. And his statue stands in a place called Jakova, which is in Kosovo. Kosovo and Albania used to be one nation. So Albanians live in Kosovo and they live in Albania. When the Ottoman Empire collapsed, there was no borders and there was no boundaries. So our people were cut up into five different countries. If it wasn't for Woodrow Wilson, the U.S. president at that time, and the first Albanians that migrated to Boston, the country of Albania would not exist today. We actually owe our existence and our survival to this country. And what's so upsetting to me And what's so upsetting to a lot of Albanians right now is that they're realizing the foreign policy of what's going on right now, that America also saved us during the Kosovo War. During the Clinton administration, they initiated bombing, which ended that conflict. I lost 30 people in that war, and we're going to get to that in a second. I lost 30 people in a single day. Where does this all go? So basically, what I'm trying to say is there is not another nation on the earth that loves America more than the Albanians, brother. To the point where when you visit the country of Albania, they have streets named after U.S. presidents. They have statues of Woodrow Wilson, Bill Clinton, George Bush. They named the main highway that connects Albania to Kosovo, Biden Highway. These people do not understand the difference between our two parties and all that. They don't care about that. In their mind, they're like, they always have an expression in Albania. Zoti e America or America of the Zoti, God and America, with these two, will be okay. So we are literally surrounded by very hostile neighbors who want to attack our history, have done pretty bad things to us, man. And we've never been the occupying force. We've never been the one to attack our neighbors. And we're living in a time where the world is very volatile. And with what's going on in the Ukraine, Serbia is a very big ally of Russia. So we're having some problems right now in the Kosovo region. So this is all relevant to current events, by the way. Right. So there was, like, Serbia just moved their forces to our border. NATO is the one that protects Kosovo, which is a, you know, a country, but that's not recognized by all of the world. Right. It's recognized only by the West. India doesn't recognize it. Russia definitely doesn't recognize it. And the greatest ally to the Serbians is the Russians, Right. So we're almost in a proxy war ourselves where I have a feeling something could erupt there and it all goes to what's going on over there right now in the Ukraine. There's so much going on. And what people don't remember is that World War I started in the Balkans, right? Albania is in the heart of the Balkans. When the uh, Prince of Austria was, was assassinated, assassinated. Yeah, yeah. it was done by a Serbian of the Black Hand in Sarajevo. And that led to World War I. So unfortunately for all of our people, 
Serbians, Albanians, Greeks, Macedonians. We have always been in the what's called the crossroads of the empires, where so many conflicts, Alexander, I mean, it goes back to that far. I just wish that our people, our neighbors, it's sad how similar we are in culture. We eat the same foods. We listen to the same damn music. You give us a clarinet, we make it scream. You know, we play a clarinet in America. It's very calm. It's do-do-do, like jazzy. You give a clarinet to somebody from Eastern Europe or the Balkans, they make that thing scream. It's like, it's like crazy, right? We dance similar. We eat the same foods. And for us to, to still, in the year 2023, not be able to coexist, which I blame on not the people. Yes, we've had traditionally conflicts. But when you speak to the average young person, they don't want these wars. Nobody won, man. Right. We're all the poorest countries in Europe. We're all unemployed. All of our youth leave our countries. And at the end of the day, if we all took a step back, we'd realize it's the people that are in charge that are keeping this perpetuated conflict that makes us hate one another. When really, at the end of the day, everybody wants the same thing, man. You want to work. You want to have food. You want to live a simple life where you can live in peace. And that's why I have always loved our country. And to see it polarized the way it is, it's to me, is devastating because I've never been... I was always so proud to be from here, man. And to see where our country is right now, my heart is aching, bro. It's just aching. And we can point fingers, but everybody's wrong. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have a question for you. So it's funny because my... my girlfriend and I kind of go back and forth like this. So I, I basically, you know, I, I kind of, I lean more, you know, obviously like I'm, I'm a, a generation X and I was, it was just, I was raised obviously way different than that is our generation, right? Yeah. Way I'm, different. I'm 40. Am I X? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I like that. X. On the cusp. So, yeah. so on, you know, so on average, I have more of a conservative uh, point of view. You know, but I'm not, but, but, you know, like, I think like most conservatives, I'm like, like, hey, it's funny because I, I, I watch, you know, shorts or little things. Because they like conservatives like the middle, what it used to be the middle 20, you know, 20 years ago. Well, I, I, I think that, I don't know about that. I, I think that here's the thing, and this is what kills me. This is what always kills me is that, and this was a great, I'm giving an example that I know everybody's probably heard. It's like, is that if you're a liberal and you're, and you're a a vegan, then you know if, if I'm a vegan, right? So I'm a vegetarian. If I'm a vegetarian, which I'm not, but if I'm a vegetarian and I'm a conservative, then I just don't eat meat. But if you're a liberal and you're a vegetarian, then you don't want anyone to eat meat. And it's like that doesn't like like, like it makes no sense. Like they, it, it's kind of, they're constantly trying to force their point of view on everyone, and that bothers me. So, in, 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 but there's there's other differences too, and then there's there are also some things that I agree with the liberals on. Like they're like I'm not 100 everything that conservatives say are is great because I disagree on a lot of things. Like it's funny because like with Trump, like my girlfriend loves Trump. There goes one of the words. Like, oh yeah. So, well, with like with <laughs> this Trump, episode's finished. Go ahead. Like with Trump, like. I didn't have a problem with any of his policies. Like I don't have a problem with his policies. I like that I, we had no war, man. Right. What? What? Yeah. Bo- the only thing that bothered me about him was like his delivery. It's the same thing his with delivery like, was horrible. Horrible. Same thing with Andrew with Andrew Tate. Like I don't have a problem with your message. Your delivery is so bad, nobody can pay attention to your message. Like to me, and whenever I say this, I get jammed up in the in the uh, comment section. People go nuts. And I'm always like, look to me, Andrew Tate's not saying anything different than. 
uh, Jordan Peterson or um, uh, or uh, Ben Shapiro or any of the other conservatives. But he's so, like a street version of them. But his version is so it's so over the top, um, insulting that you can't hear what he's saying. So, you know, as a result, he's obviously got himself jammed up um, recently. Um, do, I don't find the timing. I find the timing to be extremely, you know, fishy. Yeah. But I can't also sit here and say I don't think this guy's never done anything wrong in his life. Oh no no no! You he's, don't operate as someone that comes from that part of the world. Yeah, he. Should. You don't operate in those countries, bro. Especially strip clubs. Yeah. Unless you're dealing with some some crazy yeah. shit, and and there's another thing since we'll because we yeah. gotta watch Put the words strip, here. Strips, clubs, casinos, yeah. and cam. Okay, girls. now also in Germany, right? Okay, just because it's legal to go into a brothel, right, doesn't mean that those women haven't been forced. In my opinion, all you've done is make it easier for the people that are making them do it to get their money clean. No normal woman is going to work that job, bro. I'm sorry. You have maybe 5% that do it for the money. But how hard is it for someone that's going to force them to say, if you don't go and work in that place, even though it's legal, I'm going to you know, do something to your family back in Romania or whatever the case may be. So I always believe innocent to proven guilty. I'll never ever because it's better to let a hundred in a hundred. This is my. It's better to let one hundred criminals go free, than to punish a single innocent person. Is that Thomas Jefferson? No, He's, I just no it's like lover. No, no, Thomas. I think it was Tom. I, I somebody. Yeah, yeah, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Pull it up, man, on Google. Yeah, somebody See, said it's better to let a hundred. You know, better yeah, it was a hundred. A hundred guilty men go free than to have one innocent. Let's man see if spend I'm the first one. No, I do. You're absolutely not. <laughs> so, so you know, you know, since you brought up Tate, you know, I like that he's, you know, I like certain stuff that he says. Yeah, and certain things are just out of this world crazy. But at the end of the day, I don't find what happened to him to be a coincidence. I feel like you're talking about a very powerful machine. You're poking a very powerful bear, and they hit him however yeah. they could. Yeah. Well, he gave him enough rope. Like you gave me, you gave yeah. the the authorities enough rope, or the Matrix. He gave the Matrix enough rope to hang him. Like Jordan Peterson. The not problem do is, that. the problem is he's not Neo, <laughs> so, right? Or Morpheus, right? So, you know, um, like I said, I I don't disagree with a lot of things he said. Some things he was just, you know, I wasn't crazy about some of the things with the women and you know stuff like that. But for the most part, a lot of stuff he said hit a lot of young alpha males. I yeah. would call them. Well, but, but, you know, and, and just because there was one point I wanted to make and I just want to get back to it. So that's why, like, you know, being in this country up until now, up until these last few years. He built some of the nation's largest banks out of an estimated $55 million because $50 million wasn't enough and $60 million seemed excessive. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crimes, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. You know, it hit me one time. I'm at a park, and I was watching my boys. I got three boys, and I see a a Hasidic Jew. She's wearing, you know, you could tell because they wear, like, a little bit of a headscarf, too. And I see this Arab woman. They're standing right next to each other. Their kids are playing. They're talking and smiling. And I'm like, on the other side of the ocean, these two would be killing each other. Mm -hmm. One would be throwing rocks, the other one would be blowing them up with a tank. And it's like, where else can this exist but America, man? And if we go down, bro, 
and to see us in this position where honestly I question our future. I feel like the course that we're on right now, if we stay on this course, we won't be here much longer. And I truly believe that. And I'm truly worried about it. Because, you know, people say, well, like, you know, that'll never happen in America. Let me tell you something. People that lived in Yugoslavia, which was the bloodiest conflict in Europe since World War II. Okay? You had massacre after massacre. It was just bad. Okay? These people were literally cousins. The only difference between a Serbian, Croatian, and a Bosnian, okay, is their religion. They speak the same language. They look the same. How did they figure out how to wipe out one another? I mean, you could have said, hey, I'm sorry. To me, it's mind-boggling how that war even went down, right? So seeing these parallels of this polarization, this tribalism where we've been pushed into two different sides. I'm neither or, man. I blame both parties for where we are today. The right destroyed half the world, spent, tr let's forget who started the spending. They spent trillions of dollars invading countries that, We're not as someone anymore. that was in the World Trade Center, underneath the World Trade Center the day it got hit. I was on probably one of the last E-trains that ever went into the World Trade Center. I came out from underneath that area as they were on fire and the second plane was hitting. I was underneath that area. Right. You know, the, the concourse yeah, levels. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, as someone who witnessed that devastation to my city, which, by the way, what politicians did to New York, they couldn't have dreamed of doing on 9-11. They did. To me, I've never questioned leaving New York City after I saw those buildings fall. And now I'm being forced to leave my city because up is down and down is up. When a man can get hit with a, when a man can take a baseball bat, and smash another man's brains on camera. This happened about two weeks ago in New York. It's all over the news. And he was out on out two hours later. What do you expect for the future of my beautiful city that's being destroyed from within? When you have policies that contradict logic. When police can no longer do their job because if they make one mistake, they lose everything they have. Should they be punished if they make a mistake? Absolutely. But they're not doing their job now. Now they're more of observers. When New York was very proactive, brother, you'd be in the street. You would never know if, like this homeless guy is actually a cop acting like he's home. Like you were, you never like it was the safest big city in the world. So getting back to where I started all this, we've come a long way from that. It is no longer the safest big city in the world. You better watch where you're going and know where you're going when you're in the streets in New York. For the first time in my life, I had to watch my back and live like I did in the early '90s before Giuliani wiped out all the major crime in New York City. So, you know, the city's on the brink. The country's on the brink. We're printing money like we've never printed before. We're following a pattern of, like, Weimar Germany in some ways. I, and it's crazy. So I was going to mention, um, I, it's funny you, you mentioned uh, Weimar Germany. So obviously hyperinflation is what you're talking about. I when, think it's right around the corner. During, uh, uh, prior to World War II, after World War I, um, Germany was hit with having started the war. They were hit with these massive reparations. Treaty of Versailles, Versailles. And, right. And, and ultimately, Crazy treaty. I'm just saying just for people that are watching and what ultimately Germany did was because they couldn't make the payments, they decided to just start printing money and paying and they were printing so much of their own money that it became, it was worthless. It became worthless. Like, Kids were playing with it, yeah, building like, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're using a building blocks. All houses. They're bringing, there's a joke where they, there's a joke where they say that, uh, somebody, Brought a wheelbarrow to, to buy a loaf of bread. To buy a loaf of bread. Not a joke. It happened. That right. was actually but, happened. But the, the the joke I'm saying is someone had a wheelbarrow 
full of uh, full of money one time, and he got robbed. The guy dumped the the money and took stole the wheelbarrow. This is so worth I mean, more. It was worthless. So the 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 thing is, is that you know we're printing so much money, and, and this is what I was going to mention. But there's uh, another part that you, people don't talk about as much. Forget just the printing of the money. In pre World War II Germany, there was degeneracy. It was the capital of filth in Europe. They degenerated to a point where there was brothels every. It was this. If oh, you they're, 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 if you really dig into that history, they're desperate for money. They had degenerated. Well, well completely. That's, that's what happens when you become desperate. You and know, well, you get, people people turn into animals. But what I'm saying is, um, for instance, the war in Ukraine, and we're printing all this money. We're giving them all this money, and here's here's what. So it's like funny because this is where like a lot of conservative. I disagree with some some of the conservative views. The Democrats, of course, want to print the money. They want to pump up a bunch of money. They want to give it to them. They want to fund this war in in Ukraine. And the, a lot of conservatives are saying they're corrupt. Don't do it. Don't give them money. Don't fight the war. Um, let's let, let's stop sending the money, or at least have account, more accountability. And I, I I agree with the accountability, but to me, I think you have to fight the war. You have to give Lazinski the money. You you and, and fight that war and help support them because Russian aggression is it's it's at an all time high and if you allow them to invade Ukraine and take Ukraine they won't stop there. a bully doesn't stop you have to stand up to him somewhere and they didn't stand up to him when they invaded you know what Georgia but when, when he's Matt, done, invaded these other countries when you travel now and you know I travel quite often even throughout Europe. The world views us as the bully, bro. They, I know that I, I know where you're going with your thought. But here's how most people outside of our country view us. Oh, no doubt. You guys went into Afghanistan. You went into Iraq. You got involved in Libya. So, like, who really was more of the aggressor? And I'm not sitting I'm just giving you the perspective of that. I've had hundreds of conversations with people. Getting back to what I was saying. As someone that was underneath the World Trade Center, you went. You, you, all you heard Bush was going was. And so, if people want to know what I am, I, I consider I, I have no party, bro. Right. Because both have serious blood on their hands. Both have printed crazy amounts of money. Right. Ideally, I lean a little bit more towards the right, which I considered what would have been normal thirty years ago. I would call myself a libertarian, is what I am. Okay. I want the government as small as possible. Stay the fuck out of our lives. You're taxing us beyond reason. And you're taking this money to destroy civilization, not build it. So, so you don't think we should be in? No, no, I'm not saying we should. Now the, the can of worms is open, right? right? But this has a thing to turn really dangerous for us, brother. I wouldn't rule out nuclear war, brother. Yeah, yeah. I really wouldn't. Yeah, no, I agree. So what I'm worried about is this. We go to Afghanistan. All you heard him saying, Bush at the time, we're going to take out the Taliban. We're going to go in there and take out the Taliban. We're gonna. Here we are fucking 20-something years later. And we left them more powerful than we found them. So you sent our boys over there. I have friends that fought. I've lost, you know, I've had many of them on my show. We spent all this money. Our boys and girls went out there, risked their lives. My cousin did a tour in Fallujah, lost half his platoon. Shout out to Brian in Dallas. My cousin was a Marine. All this destruction. And we left them in power with better weapons than, and, 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 and then tying in the whole, whole Albanian thing. We love America with all of our heart. We're willing to die for America because we know if America falls, guess what? We're finished. And the fact that they have not armed our people, 
yeah, Albania is in NATO, but Kosovo, they only let us have 5,000 troops. We're surrounded by enemies. We name our streets after American presidents. We name our children. Half the kids in Albania were named Clinton or Hillary, which I'm sure makes a lot of people on the right happy. But remember, they don't know the politics. They're like, these are the people that saved us. We love them. We want to respect these people. So for a nation who was never the aggressor, the only country that saved every single Jew that came to its borders during the Holocaust was our people. Look it up. How do you not arm a people like this? How do you not give us what you left the people that you were going? So to Albanians, I'm like, brother, wake up. They left these terrorists more money and, and, and weapons than they ever left us. And we're, we're, we're willing to die for America, man. If they gave us, and no offense to my Puerto Rican brothers and sisters, I love you guys. I grew up with you. Because I feel bad for Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is in like this, should we be a state? Should we be a country? You know, and they're like, it's it, it's not, it's they're in a really weird situation. Yeah. And they're hurting economically, man. I've been there. I love Puerto Rico, by the way. Mafongo. You ever had Mofongo? Yes. I only had it twice. It was in San Juan. You think I, I was more married to a Puerto Rican woman for okay. three years. So you think I would have had Mofongo hanging out in the Bronx with all my Puerto Ricans and my Dominicans, but I never had it until I went to San Juan. I didn't even know what it was. But, you know, where if they gave us the option to become the 51st state, mm-hmm. I guarantee you Albania would give up its sovereignty. The, uh, the Albanian people, I don't know about the government, Every Albanian in the world would be like, yes, we'll be the 51st state. Yes, we will join the military. Yes, we will fight and die for America. So how does America not arm these people? How does America not train these people? How does America not want two to six million people in the heart of Europe that are willing to do whatever it needs to be done to protect America and her interests? We love this country, brother. Well, I think, you know, obviously there's been so much placating to Putin over the last, you know, uh, 20 years where they've this... What has it been? Twenty? Is it twenty or thirty? Twenty? Twenty? My man is. He's been up listen, there. Listen, let's be real. He's a G. Yeah, he's he's, he's a G. Dude. My he's man holding is doing, on like they, he's doing judo. He's you know shirt off. He's buying ice cream. Like he's, he's riding a, horses with a shirt. You know, like, but see, and, and I'll ask this question to to, to your viewers. Love Putin. That's dude, let me tell you something. Let me let me ask you this question. You don't think it's weird that we live in America? Supposed to be the freest state, you know, information supposed to flow freely. Yet we put on our That's news propaganda. every day. We put on our news, and you never get to see the leaders of the world talking. You maybe see a one-second clip. I, I, if, I, if a guy's at look, war with I, a country that we're supporting and that we're basically in a proxy war right now, that could go really bad and pull the rest of the world in. Let's be real. I mean, that can happen. Yeah. Shouldn't we be able as Americans to see what Poon has to say for at least 10 minutes uninterrupted on the news? Shouldn't our reporters be over there saying, okay, and, and, and like the whole thing. The fact that we don't get to see this, bro, should be the first sign to you people who think you're so damn smart. You know everything. You know, we're idiots the way we think. When's the last time you got to see a world leader like the president of China or whoever it is sit there and speak, translator, where you can sit there and see what they're saying for 10 to 15, 20 minutes on the mainstream television. You have never seen it, man. Ever. We don't watch C-SPAN. We don't even watch what our own politicians are doing. So you want to sit here and debate politics with me or talk about what's going on in America? or what? Po- you don't even know the own policies in your own country. And that's why the lack of knowledge and the lack of, of, of caring. And, you know, I truly believe the time for us to pay for our sins is here. I feel like if we don't have a serious, serious discussion 
and a serious shift, not just in D.C., us as Americans. Brother, we ain't going to be here much longer. And I love when people go, well, we're America. We'll never, even Albanians say, ah, America will never fall. You don't think the Romans said the same things. You don't think the ancient Greeks said the same shit. You don't think the Mayans, as powerful they was with their pyramids. and Brother, it's crazy. When they say history repeats itself, that's exactly. Man, I know you're on the same page as this. It's exactly those same cycles. You see, times may change. Technology may change. But the sicknesses of the human being, the mental illnesses, the defects, the defects in the heart and the soul have been the same throughout time. And that's the history that's repeating itself. The same degeneracy. Um, so, you know, okay, you know who Nostradamus is, right? Of course. Okay. So, well, well keep in mind, I sort of, I'm, there's, I've got a wide grouping of people that I, uh, different ages. Do you know who Nostradamus is? No. See? That's scary. Though. Right? Listen, listen. That's we're, just because. We're talking it, to his tech. He looks like he's yeah. in his early 20s, maybe oh, even 19. Oh, listen. I talk to this kid all the time. Super you don't smart. Know what Super smart. Wow. Very, I mean, he can tell you anything. To, oh, even if, if you say, hey, how do we do this? Can you do this? Well, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And by the time the video comes out, he yeah, does figure this. It out. Yeah, he can. But but yeah, he's got. Anyway, Nostradamus. So I say stuff all the time. He's like, what? Huh? Same thing with my girlfriend. So anyway, Nostradamus uh, said, I was watching this the other day, um, and it's so funny because obviously there were I was when I was a kid, I was watching stuff on Nostradamus. There were all there's always these they're always yeah. predicting every the, other the, year. The, the, the signs of Nostradamus, yeah. and they put those specials on TV. Um, a flying horse. So one, he was saying in 2023. Now this is a guy Nostradamus. He named is a guy, the actual year. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's supposed to be 20. Well, they believe it's. No, no, I'm pretty sure they said it was, I mean, he never really names the year. But so basically they, they're saying that they predict when it is 2023. So I listened to this a couple of months ago. He said multiple things were going to happen in 20, it, roughly 2023. One, the Pope was going to, they said there will be. First death of the year. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Pope was going to die. Uh, and there would be a new Pope. Um, which would uh, create scandal or something in the Catholic Church. Second thing he said was that the the uh, the might the two great powers or something like this I go forget to war. How, will be going will go to war. It will be a fiery war. Um, uh, he said so. He's got he's got like listen. If you re- he's got like four or five things that he predicted. Do you know who who, who who nailed prophecy more than anyone in my opinion? And I've studied Nostradamus. Who? I challenge anyone to study the signs of Judgment Day in Islam. It'll blow your mind away. Okay. You want to talk about someone that predicted the future? I dare you to research the signs of Armageddon from the Prophet Muhammad. I'll give you just a couple. Okay. One sign was he said that the Arabs, the desert Arabs that wear sandals, would, would first he said the, that the deserts of Arabia would become green, meaning with like grass, right? Yeah. 60 years ago, when you were in Dubai, Saudi Arabia, it was all, it was all sand. Well, same thing in Israel. They, they planted thing. all those, they planted exactly. hundreds and hundreds that of was the square first miles then he of said, pine trees. Then he said, the day will come where the Arab, the Bedouin, right? Okay. The, 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 the penniless Bedouin would compete with one another to build buildings that touch the sky. Nice. Where, where are the greatest skyscrapers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said one will build one, and then the other one will say, "No, no, no, I can build a bigger one." Right now, the biggest building in the world is being built in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah. They're like, like literally every six months to a year, there's like a a little bit higher, a little bit higher. He said there will be a net like a spider's net that entangles the entire world. What is it called? The World Wide Web. People don't understand. And I was about to ask you this question too. What does a web do? 
Why does a spider cast its web? It casts its web to entangle its prey. You're every day on the world wide web. And with the Internet of Things coming out and where crypto's going, and I think if people really understood where crypto's going to go, and I believe that's the move, that's what this is all about, in my opinion, that they can literally program how much meat you can buy, okay? If people understood blockchain the way I understood it, once I understood what blockchain was, I was terrified. So you're not concerned, you, you, you don't think that it's just to track the money, but it's to limit your ability to spend the money. Also. It's going to enslave humanity, okay. period. I don't believe the story of Yoshimaru, some Japanese wizard. I believe if they told us their real intentions were crypto, nobody would use it. So they had to make you fall in love with it. They had to make everybody make money so they felt good. And then once you started living the good life, they had to make it crash. So you'd be like, oh, shit, and beg for regulation. I knew if, if crypto could truly not be regulated, they would never let it exist. Yep. And people go, well, they can't control it. Really? They can't control it? It's real simple. The only reason you got your Bitcoin up to 70000 was because people like Elon Musk said, we're going to accept Ethereum. We're going to accept Bitcoin or whatever coin they said they were going to accept. it really has value. Okay. Yeah. And all it takes is for a government to say, no U.S. corporation is allowed to accept this coin. What happens to the value overnight, Matt? Yeah, it drops. Thank you. We're going to have crypto friends. I promise you. That's the play. That's the move. That's the future. But their crypto, the one that they can control the one that is going to make our lives, I promise you, a living hell. There's a theory about um, where the government will help sustain or help create a crisis, and then there will be the crisis, and then that allows them to go in with regulation. Conflict, resolution. Uh, you know, theory? Conflict, yeah. resolution. So, so at first conflict, you say... Um, Problem, reaction, solution. Oh, okay. Is problem, right? reaction, solution. Right. Problem, reaction, solution. So initially, solution. they know they want to do something, but they can't. They know they don't have the support. So then they let it get so bad. If they told crisis. you they're going to control your entire life with crypto, would you ever use that coin? Would you ever want no, to course, use it? of course, of okay, course. So what do we do? We create a situation where you're begging us for you regulation. You take out the dollar. Right. I think it's why they're printing as much as they're printing. Do you huh? want the value? I actually be believe worth? all this printing is purposely to crash the U.S. dollar to force us into crypto. And I'm glad we have a date stamp here today, January 8th, whatever it is. I'm on the record. Um, what is the other question? I was going to ask you something I'm else. Guess, huh? you, you love me, huh? I know. He said before you got here, this is going to be interesting. Um, okay, I have a, uh, my other question. Oh, man, I had another question, too. My question uh, to you is, would you rather have the world with the internet or before? Because you said Generation X. We're both from the same time period. You know, I Knowing what I know now, brother, I'd rather have the world without the internet. I know there's convenience and navigation and all yeah. this other bullshit, but the amount of evil that's starting to come from it, you know, everything has duality, as they say, right? The way we're going right now, brother, the suicide rates, the one out of 12 Americans on antidepressants, man. We're more connected than we've ever been in our lives, but we're more disconnected than we've ever been. People think it's cool. Like, I have a name for this generation. You can call it X, Y, Z. Anyone that is born after the internet speeds went higher. So now I'm not going to say right when the internet came out, but let's say like in the early 2000s. You were yeah, born when in When it really time. started taking over. Okay. You are known, and I would say, actually, I would go a step further, social media, that generation, right, where social media really took foot. Where it became important. You know what they're called in my book? What's I gave that? them a name. What's that? The Easter Bunny generation. Why is that? How does that? When the Easter comes around, you have these nice chocolates that are for sale. You go to your supermarket, you buy some chocolates. Most of those chocolates, you've noticed, are 
beautiful on the outside, but they're empty. They're hollow on the inside. You ever seen a lot of Easter Bunny chocolates? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, right. It has to write solid for you to know that it's solid because most Easter chocolates are hollow. Yeah. The egg is hollow. It's chocolate, but it's empty on the inside. That's just generation, brother. Beautiful on the outside. Everything is with selfies and beautiful pictures, and I'm only showing you the best moments of my life. Meanwhile, inside, I'm full of sorrow. I'm sad. I have no real substance. I'm an Easter bunny. That's what I call them, the Easter bunny generation. Beautiful on the outside, empty, hollow on the inside. Uh, what bothers me is the the entitlement that that the younger generation has is that they just think they deserve so much, but you're not working, you're not going to school, you're not doing anything, and you're living at your mother's house, you're not busting your ass, you're playing video games all day. I and worked from the age of 15, I worked, bro. Yeah, I, listen, same thing, 15 years old, all summer long, Bus I tables, worked. carried luggages up to rooms. Con listen, I, me and my buddy, his... his this is horrible. I had a buddy whose dad owned a, con a massive construction company. Like they rebuilt, they built from brand new, but they also rebuilt um, uh, and did fire damage. They built, uh, they built Sitco uh, gas stations. Remember those? I don't even think they're around. Yeah, no, they're still around. At least um, up in Jersey, there. Uh, he built almost every uh, Pizza Hut in Florida. So I had I, we Pizza to, Hut last night. In my listen, room. we. Uh, you can crave pizza and not crave pizza. You can crave Pizza Hut. And I crave regular pizza. I don't know if people realize that. Well, There's a it, difference. And every summer, we worked for him. So I've put in drywall and burned down apartment buildings. I've dug ditches to, you know, uh, or footers and uh, footers for houses. I've done ditches for, to put in driveways. Yeah, I've building, done digging the ditches. No joke. Man. This is, I mean, and this is so. This is, listen, cleaned out, um, cleaned out uh, grocery stores. I want to say Publix, but that's, I think down, just down here. So Publix, like grocery stores. Kroger. Yeah. All of them. Like, I mean, we, we, we stepped on nails or nail shot straight through my foot. I've had to done go that to the, once. Listen, I, I, and this is all like, this is all. See, that's a shot that I would take a tetanus shot. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Oh, listen, and then go and then come home and, and have my, and then come home. And on Saturday or Sunday, my, my parents wake me up. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, we're go going to do lawn. this. Go mow the yard. Take out the trash. Clean up the kitchen. Yeah. You know, mom, I stepped on a nail. Well, then be careful. My mother would have me climb up in a tree, climb out on the branch. You know, I'm way out on the branch. And, you know, I'm 13. I fall. I'm dead. She's like, a little bit further. <laughs> and God forbid like, you didn't do good in school, too. Oh, yeah. Listen. I mean, so it's like, you know, and I'll use myself as an example. You know, sometimes, you know, some of my kids don't do good in school. And it's like no big deal. And it's like, it's not that I care about it. The only thing I like about school is that it teaches you some type of responsibility where you have to perform. I was a straight-A student. I got an academic scholarship to Pace University. Did it change my life, all those straight-A's and all that shit? No, it didn't. Most of the shit I learned, I learned working. And that's why I tell people, like, it doesn't matter. Like, everybody wants to have, like, this dream job, right? Like, it doesn't work like that, man. You got to fall down over and over and over again. And I, I think what a lot of, if I could give a hack to the young, younger generation that may be watching this, the hardest thing in life is not to make it. The hardest thing in life is to know what you actually want. Because once you know what you want, then you move and you gravitate towards it. Listen, sometimes getting what you want is the worst fucking thing out there. You sometimes know? you getting what you want can actually lead to destruction. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it, it really is the journey. You really have to kind of kick back. It's funny. Ferris Bueller. But you didn't answer. Did you, would you want the world before the internet or after the internet? That's a tough one. Listen, real quick. Ferris Bueller's day off. 
Uh, do you the best movies ever made on it, Earth. Right? Bueller. Do you remember um, when he's, uh, just before he gets picked up? He's, I had a Ferris Bueller moment, by the way. Okay. He's he's laying in bed and he looks and he looks at the camera and he's talking to the camera and he says uh, life moves pretty fast sometimes you got to stop you don't and, stop and look around every once in a while you, you might, might miss, miss it. it right that's the exact quote by the way <laughs> right so um, yeah so I mean t- to me it's like look you know that that the whole you know, the journey is like I I love every day waking up like it, probably the worst thing that could happen to me is what if I did hit it big and suddenly I'm, I got millions of dollars like my life might turn to crap no you want to hear something funny what because you brought up Ferris, Ferris Bueller. I love Ferris. Right? I used to work for Hilton Grand Vacations, which is actually where Trump had his inauguration speech. Was at the Hilton on Sixth Avenue. It was the largest hotel in New York. Okay. So I used to sell timeshare in the penthouse. You want to talk about a sales office? Beautiful place, right? I call out on a beautiful Saturday, right? It was the Immigrants Day or International Day or Immigrants Day parade. Shout out to Albanian Roots, my man Marco Kepi. He does a beautiful because it's really expensive to have a parade, bro. And we're not as many yeah. as we're not as many as the Puerto Ricans. Like the Puerto Ricans have their own parade, the Dominicans. So the Albanians, we kind of like, you know, we use the Immigrants Day parade as like our own parade. So it's like every nationality like showcases. And they've now put the Albanians at like even though it's just like one alphabetical order, they put us last because we'll have like ten thousand people show up. All right. So one year I like I want to go. Beautiful day. I call out sick. I'm on the float going past my job that I called out sick. You know that one scene yeah, where, yeah, yeah, where Ferris Bueller's the- singing Tonka Shane. He's singing Tonka <laughs> Shane on the float passing his father. Remember his dad's in the office building? Yeah. I'm literally on the float, the Albanian route. Shout out to Marco Kepi. I'm on the Albanian float going past my job, knowing my coworkers can come down at any second. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm Ferris Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> True yeah, story. that's a great, I that's didn't a get great caught. thing. I didn't get, and the float pulls on the side of my building. As soon as it pulled on the side of the building, I jumped off the float and ran into the nearest subway and got the hell out of there. That's all I needed was to get caught. Um, True story, man. Let me think. Yeah, I was going to say. I uh, wish I kept a journal of my life, but I'm sure God does. And I'm going to have to see some of the crazy shit I did in the next life. I'm like, oh, shit, you actually did that? I'm like, Why don't you write a book? I got sons. If they only knew half the shit their father <laughs> Don't did. put it. If they only knew half the shit, like a ghost. You got to abbreviate it. Yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta condense some scenes. Listen, I got entire... I'll write it as a woman. Rebecca Lover. No. I've got a whole... Listen, I have a whole crime. There, there was a whole arrest in my book that... An arrest, a scam, and an arrest that I never even mentioned. Like, there's all kinds of stuff in my book because there was so much fraud that I never even go into. I just... just Remove that that portion and just keep on going. Or I abbreviate an entire section into one or two paragraphs. You know, very vague paragraph here or there yeah, it would that be a covers filthy, it. Filthy, filthy book, man. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, okay. So I was gonna say man, we went off on tangents today, man. We went everywhere in this conversation. It's fine. Listen, not all you know. Not every podcast can stay one hundred percent. You know, on on one specific topic. Although those are the ones that tend to do the best. But you know, like like to, like to me, look look to me, like like I was saying, like some of the people that watch me, they'll see me on other podcasts, and they want to know like what I think about this, what I think about that. Which it's is odd because like but, you know, you've interviewed a lot of people. I had you on my show, and here was my whole logic, even with my own show. Which, if you don't mind, I plug the comeback, yeah. the comeback team, right? It's about people that have been through crazy things. Beck Lover, Beck Lover, and the comeback team. Yeah, yeah. So, 
I feel like you know you're a part of the like anyone that comes on my show is a part of the comeback team. Like you've been through right. things in your life, you have you know crazy past yourself. I'm definitely coming and back. You, you came through it, yeah. right? And now you're in a different you know different time in your life. You have the wisdom that you have, and it's to inspire people to never give up. But you know I've had all these big guests too, Carol Baskin from Tiger King and all this other crap. But my point is, if you've heard one of their interviews, bro, you've heard them all. Meaning. I like this open format. I like that. Okay, we could touch a little bit about who I am, but I think, like you said, your viewers, even my viewers are like, Beck, we love listening to you talk about this other crap. You know, so I feel like, you know, when you're just like a Vlad TV, and I'm not knocking these people, but like, if you've been on Vlad, then you go on Rogue, and like, it's like you're hearing the same, it's a little bit different, but if they're just talking about their life, one podcast covers that. Like, there's no reason to keep watching like people like like some of these crime figures right they're going on they're talking about their life exactly the same way every time I think after a while once you've been out there enough it's more interesting to have this type of a conversation where we can talk and people get to really say wow I know this guy did this he was a group but I like the way this guy thinks I've seen he's evolved or whatever the case may be right so I went a little bit more towards like when I had these guests come on my show I'm like I really don't care about your story we all know your story anyone that's following you here already knows your story let's talk about some shit that they would never hear from you on another podcast you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because it gets boring man it's repetitive after a while it's like i'd rather have a no-name person on my my show that no one's ever heard of than you know if i interview will smith first of all he's going to stay to whatever script his pr company comes unless he doesn't slap us Mm -hmm. and it's like how how interesting can that be i'd rather pull some unknown that no one's ever heard of and i that's me personally everybody has their own taste but I like, I love this this type of uh, of discourse. You know what I mean? What do you think of the Will Smith thing? I think he, I think he definitely probably regrets it. Um, I've seen his son a few times in the last couple of months. His son was in the city. He did his birthday at at a, at a place that, uh, you know, I'm kind of connected to in the city. And um, sweet kid, bro. Uh, his son. Yeah. Listen, we all make mistakes, man. It hurt me because I've always looked up to, to Will Smith. I right, think like just, I thought he was a great guy. And you know what? No one's saying he's not. Man, everyone, you know what it is, man? You could be going through a really hard time. We never know what people are going through. I have a I have a good poker face. There's times where I'm cracking jokes, and I'll always say it, man. I think the clown is the saddest one in the room, bro. You know, there's times people are with me, and they're laughing, and they think, you know, everything in my life is wonderful, and I'm 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 fucking dying inside, bro. You know, and I think a lot of men, we do this, man. Like, we have, our world is on fire. On the exterior, you have no idea that I'm fucking dying, bro. Yeah. I got files in my account. I'm going through a divorce. My kids told me to go fuck my, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, losing so many friends to, like, taking themselves out. Because mm-hmm. I hate to use that word because it'll. Yeah, yeah. You know, they give up on life. Was part of the inspiration for why I started my my show, right? Right. Because. I never did it for the money. I said, if I could save one life, man, and one of my favorite quotes in the Bible and the Quran is to save one life is to save all of humanity. And a woman one time contacted me, and I won't say her name, and she said, I found out I was about to go blind. In six months, I'll be blind completely. I decided to take my own my own life. I heard your show, and I decided not to. But I, to me, it was like, I was like, I'll never stop this. I don't care if I make a penny. Yeah. So many men, though, man. I've lost so many friends, man, in the last few years, especially the last few years. In the second week of the pandemic, I saw one of my friends not realizing I was watching him pass away on a video. He was 
taken out by police, unfortunately. And this is a guy I knew my whole life, amazing human being, sweetheart. I could see him in the video, there's something wrong with him. He's mentally disturbed. Something happened to him. This is not like him. And I didn't realize it was him. I'm watching the video because it went viral. And then I read the article and I'm like, oh my God, this is my friend. I literally witnessed the death of my friend not realizing I was watching him. This happened like two months into the So when everything started, like, bro, it broke us, bro. You know, it, it brought a lot of us to our knees mentally. I, we really got to see what we were made of mentally. And I think spiritually, bro. A really dark time, man. I think that a, a lot of people don't have like a purpose. And it's, it's amazing. Oh, why? Yeah, it's amazing what you can put up with and what you'll deal with. And, you know, for, you know, for a, you, you know, have for, a reason for, to. you have a reason to, for, a, you know, a purpose. Like if you don't have a purpose, then nothing makes any difference. This is the way a lot of people, they get, like they, you know, of course, the thing about most people, like their purpose in life is like, let's say to make money. Because they think if they ultimately get enough money, they'll make, they'll be happy. But that's not really your purpose because there's. Tons of rich people that commit suicide every day, bro. Right, because they don't have a purpose. They got every the money. Day. They thought that would do They're it. Hollow. They don't They're have Easter it. bunnies, bro. Right. So I, I think, and I like I said, I think that's a, a problem with a lot of a lot of people out there that are like, I don't understand why I'm not happy. Why? Well, you, you don't really have a purpose. Like your purpose is what just to survive. Like, what's crazy to me is that like when they have children, and that wasn't enough of a reason. Like when I lost my brother, I've been through a lot of crazy things, man. I told you, I lost thirty people in a war. So when the Kosovo War started, you know, I was like 14. I think I was 15 when I got the phone call. And people can see on my Instagram, I actually have the videos pinned uh, on my Instagram if they want to check it out at B-E-K Lover NYC. My name's Beck, but there's no C. Beck Lover NYC. I get a phone call and I find out that 30 of my cousins, their brothers, their, you know, this this one village that my aunt lived in that I was very close to. Every summer I spent two months with these people. They, they're the reason I learned how to speak Albanian. I was born in America, so Albanian wasn't my first language. English right. was. My mom came in when she was like six, bro. Like my mom, I have more of an accent than she does, which I don't know how the hell that happened, but my mother sound, like speaks perfect English. And I get this phone call and I find out 30 people I love, they're wiped out. And I lose my mind, bro. I, just, I remember just running down the street and just screaming and yelling. And at that time, my city wasn't as big. Like my town where I grew up, I grew up on the Hudson River facing Manhattan. And I'm just yelling and screaming. I just lost my mind, bro. And all these people are coming out like, what's wrong with Beck? What's wrong with Beck? And I'm like, yo, they killed my family, man. Like I remember like yesterday, you know. Then, you know, 9-11 happened. I came out from underneath those buildings while they were on fire. And, you know, seeing that destruction and just the sadness from it, you know. But nothing compared to... 2013 when I lost my brother when I say my brother it was really my mom's brother but me and him were so close in age I spent every day of my life with this guy he held me in his arms from the minute I was born he only lived a mile and a half away from me and when I say I'm a New York City nightlife this guy was the king of New York I was a legend he was the king the emperor he's the reason I got my name he gave me the name Beck Lover I mean this guy literally influenced me in so many different ways and when he passed away, you know, he passed away in a car accident. It it was the first time. I had been knocked down many times in life. And I believe there's knockdowns and then there's knockouts. 
knockdowns are, anything that can be replaced. You lose your job, which is hard. It knocks you down. You even get divorced. Guess what, bro? I promise you. Guess what, sweetheart? If you're watching this and your husband just left you, I promise you you can be in love again. I promise you you can get married again if you really want to. I, I probably won't be. If that ever happens, I think I'm going to stay like this the rest of my life. I think me and Matt will just build a sick bachelor pad in Miami and just go crazy. I'm engaged to be married. When we take over the podcast. Are you? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. That's probably uh, not going to happen. Uh, cut. Yeah. But. So, um, in any event, I think that, you know, when you go through these things, like, you know, you go to jail, as long as you get back out, that's a knockdown. A knockout is... You don't get out. You lose something that you can never get back. Like, you lose, God forbid, your health to a point where it debilitates you. Someone passes away that is so important to you that it shakes you to your core, bro. And I can understand now why people take their lives when they lose someone that they love, bro. Especially a child, God forbid. Like, brother, it's devastating. There was this woman I became friends with, and I'm having trouble remembering her name. But her daughter, something bad happened to her in school. She became an advocate about speaking out against, like, you know, things that happen to women when it's against their will. Right. Avoiding the word. Beautiful young girl. I became friends with them through social media. They were supposed to come on the comeback team. Her daughter was very, very famous, bro. I'm trying to remember her name. I got to go back on because it's been a couple of years and sometimes we don't think about these dark things. She ends up taking her life, bro. I kept contacting her mom. I was scared her mom was going to do the same thing. Guess what? Her mom did. I kept reaching out to her mom. Please don't lose hope. I know your daughter did this. I know your sack. what happened to them was someone in the school did something to the, to the girl. And instead of them punishing because it was like a star athlete his dad was like the mayor it was a big thing it was like a documentary about this i don't know why i can't i'm I, lately matt i don't know just literally since the minute i turned 40 i have one of the sharpest minds i could just pull information i can't i can did, see pe- did pe- you get covid i did twice yeah I, I could see people's faces but i can't remember their names like i used to and it's driving me crazy okay it's driving me nuts yeah. but i'm also under a lot of stress right now so have you thought about taking the um the Joe Rogan, uh, the memory thing. What is it? Uh, um, what is that? There's something definitely wrong, bro. I'm not as sharp as I used to be. I can't remember it. I take it. I can't pull names. <laughs> <laughs> it is supposed to help with memory and everything. I'm um, having trouble pulling names, man. Some kind I think of- her name was Sherry. Right. But, so, But it's just such a tragic story. And I knew, I knew her mother was in danger. And I kept like, you know, please don't give up. Please don't give up. Please. And, and she took her life. So like, what I'm saying is, like, those are knockouts, man. When you lose something that you can't replace. Well, my brother passed away. Alpha brain. Sorry. Go ahead. Alpha brain. Alpha brain. Sorry. When my brother passed away, I didn't think I'd ever get back up again, bro. I right. disappeared from New York nightlife. I'm very involved in the scene in New York City. Extremely involved. It, you know, even, you know, my brother used to own one of the largest nightclubs in the world with one of his partners. And I in was New in the York? background a lot. Yeah, right in the heart of Times Square, man. And they had it for about seven years. And I've been executing events and consulting to nightclubs for over 23 years now. And my friends control New York City. You know, shout out to uh, Richie Romero. Shout out to Samir. Shout out to Nathan. You know, these are the top guys in the New York City scene. Tao Group, huge, huge companies. But, you know, that was the first time in my life that I didn't know what to do, man. Like, I was just stunned. Nothing mattered. I had lost, like you said, the why. What gave me my why was I was looking at my boys. You got to get back up. I had this small little voice that kept saying, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. It's going to get better. I didn't believe it. But I kept saying, don't worry, it'll get better. And it took forever, man. 
So after feeling that type of pain and realizing now, now I understand why people take their lives. They don't hang on a little bit more to another day. I got Kevin Hines coming on next. Should probably, I don't know if you've had him yet, but he's going to be my next guest. The guy that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. Amazing story. Hmm. We got to get him on your show too. Sick guy, bro. Like, you ever the, guy, story. the guys from the Suffering Podcast on? The, the two no. cops? No, they're good? Yeah, Kevin. Um, shoot, I forget his last name. I text him all the time. He's they run the, There are two police officers that were involved in um, police shootings. And like both of them just retired. Like they just like it just like it kind of like, you know, it, it kind of crushed them because they, you know, obviously the one guy. Well, I think Kevin, I think Kevin got shot um, or did he shoot someone? And then the other guy shot someone in, in a high speed chase. They actually ended up in a car wreck together and uh, and they were facing each other. And he ended up take, uh, taking the guy's life. But he's like it just, you know, he, he basically was, I guess, you know, just. Uh, PTSD and just completely like flipped out about having to having to be in that position. It's like he's like I can't be in that position again. So, uh, but they do the suffering podcast where they're like, if you're suffering, you know, you got to get through it. You got to this. You got to that. So yeah, it's very much the same thing you're kind of talking. It's 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 so important. Tyler knows him. No, no, I'm saying like it's so important. Like I didn't realize it until I got that message from that woman that day. That like there's people listening to our stuff, bro. You you don't realize you put it. It's like when you make content, you throw it out into the ocean. It's like a bottle, yeah. right, with the letter. But I can't believe how many people stop me in the streets. And I'm like, but I'm like not even, you know, I had a lot of problems during these last couple of years because you say certain things and then all of a sudden they suppress you. Yeah. But on other, other you know, pages. So I guess what happened was people were taking some of my clips. And the same thing, I saw a lot of your clips have millions of views. So that someone else will take it, man, and it still gets out there somehow. Yeah. And it's freaking crazy. I'm like, how do you know me? Like my... YouTube has been capped to 8,000, and it was shooting, like, skyrocketing when I first started, right? Yeah, I saw one has got uh, two, 300,000 uh, views, like, one of one of the videos. Um, like, you've got a bunch of that. And then suddenly TikTok, a lot of, TikTok, crazy. Bro. Oh, yeah. I'm just talking about YouTube. Um, Hundreds of millions of views. So, so I have people all the time that will say, like, you know, bro, you've gotten, you don't know what you've got, gotten me through. You've gotten me through so much. And to me, it's like, like, I'm like, well, what could I have gotten you through? Like, you know, because to me, it's just, this is just me just talking and just, you know, to me, I'm, I'm kind of a douchebag and it's like, I'm just, you know, I just say whatever comes to my mind and I'm talking and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of middle of the road on most subjects and, but I got tons of, I get people all the time that send me stuff that says, look, you don't know how much your podcasts have mean to me, how you got me through a tough time in my life. And I'm thinking like, what? Like, you don't know how inspiring you are. I'm like inspiring. I've never tried to be inspiring. Like, I'm not trying to be inspiring. How, how did I inspire you? Like, I guess it's by accident but yeah the real man listen real stuff there's listen there's billions of us right so there's going to be variables where people have gone through similar situations as you and you'd be amazed how much it how far it actually goes man and you know people want to feel like they're in the room with us man that's why i love this type of a format where we're having a real conversation you never know where it's gonna go they want to feel like they're the third man it's me and you and they're right here with us and you know what if you're watching this you are and when they leave that comment and you respond to them it's interactive man and that's the cool thing about it well, i mean there's a negative side to it too well, you know what i think is and i always look back and think think about this one thing is that you know you can have the same message you know somebody else can have the same message i can have the same message but delivery and, but the delivery is different and i remember i had a, a a mortgage broker that worked for me one time her name was susan barca Best mortgage broker that ever worked for me. She was amazing. 
but she came in for the first six or seven months that she worked for me. She came into work at, you know, 10. She would leave at two, come back at four for an hour and leave again. She would take off a day here, two days here. Yeah, man, sales is like that, man. Right. If you burn out, but if you're effective, no, what but, the hell do you care that, about the hours? You I, don't care. I do care because here's it because it's a. If she's producing though, like really, she's producing. not producing. Okay, no, that's different. She's an amazing broker that's not producing. Why? Here's why: because you're working thir- twenty to thirty hours a week. You should be consistently coming in at nine o'clock, leaving at five or six, at, uh, answering your phone at night. And here's the problem: she had a big group of friends, and she was a very good person and had a lot of friends. And she was a great friend, right? Like literally, her friend goes and gets a boob job. Susan takes three days off of work um, to take care of her friend. You're a good friend. I understand that. Um, her fr- Another friend moves. Susan takes a whole day off to help her move. Uh, so it, it, this goes on. Like every time somebody had, some, had something happen, her friend uh, gets a divorce. She goes and spends a couple days yeah, with her. Most of the time, those people won't even help you when you need them. Bro. Right. That's the truth. Bro. Right. And you know, same thing. Volleyball. She she was on a volleyball team. She was on a, this team. She's the person that everybody relied on to organize going to the She was the, the grease concert. of their lives. And she yes. didn't realize that she's the cog. Right. And so here's what's happened. What happened? And I used to tell her all the time, like, Susan, you got to come in at this time. What are you doing? You got to this. You got to that. What's going on? I couldn't fire her because her half-assed attempt. Was still better than was a lot. Better of than people. these guys that are working fifty hours a week. So and sometimes they know that they take advantage, right. bro. Well, salespeople do that shit. So what happened was, one day she came in producing just enough to stay. Yeah, just she's producing just enough to pay her bills, and she was constantly coming to me and be like, "Look, I got an issue. Could you lend me a thousand? Take it against my next commission." And I was like, "Yeah, no problem." So I remember I, that's what happened one day. So I go and I cut her, or cut her check, or I was cutting part of some of the money out of one of her checks. And I said, hey, I cut this much out. Is that cool? She goes, yeah, that's fine. Gave her the check. And I said, and she went, I'm sorry. I thought I could pay this whole thing. And I said, no, it's fine. I said, you know, it's not fine. And she goes, what? I said, the fact that you can't seem to make this a priority, this job, which is paying all your bills. And she goes, I know, but you know, my friend so-and-so last week, I said, listen, listen, listen. I said, here's a problem, Susan. I said, if you made this a priority, you would be a better friend to all your friends. I said, your friend Jennifer who moved and you took off the, a day or two days to help her one move, pack up, move, re-unpack un- everything. You took off two days of work. I said, had you been you just here, hired a company. You could have hired a company. Your friend so-and-so who got the boob job, fuck, you could have paid for the boob job. She I said, would have the best boobs in the world. Right. I said, you could have paid You could have paid for a nurse or for her sister to take off work. Had you, I started giving her all these examples of what a better friend you would be. And I said, I know that doesn't make sense to you. I said, but let me explain something. I said, if, I said, do you think that if Brad Pitt were to go out and work at a soup kitchen and feed 200 people that day, I said, great, he fed 200 people. He scooped up the food. Maybe he bought the food. I said, but if Brad Pitt starts, uh, uh, starts his own charity, and he does a charity ball where he's paying. He does a charity ball where everybody has to pay ten thousand dollars, and they get entertained by Brad Pitt and Matt Damon and several of his friends. I said, now everybody out there says that's horrible. These people are paying ten thousand dollars to be entertained. How much of that money goes to the uh, to the charity? So the fact of the matter is, guess what? He probably raises a couple million dollars doing that. It doesn't make sense. You think, well, those rich people should just give that money directly to the food bank, but they won't. They're doing it because they're being entertained. They're getting together. They're getting photo ops. That's what works. 
Doesn't mean it's right or fair, but that's what works. He can raise $10 million or he can go by himself and go pay $10,000 and maybe scoop up some soup. I said, it doesn't make sense to you. But what I'm telling you is start showing up at nine, leaving at five or six, and you will make more money and you can be a better friend to your friends. Facts. Now, I said that to her and I'd given her 10 different talks. And she sat there and she goes, I know you're, what you're saying is right. I know. And this is what she always said. And she left. So like a month later, she comes into my office. She's, Tell me you clipped her, bro. No, bro. She came in a month later, and she was making maybe 5000 a month. And this is 25000 This is in Florida, and this is 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's decent. She came in. She's usually making five grand a month, maybe six. She came in one month, and she made like eight grand. Here's your eight grand. Okay. Then the next month... She made like 12 grand. The next month, she made 20 grand. She made like 12 grand on one deal. She made like over like $20,000, $21,000. And I remember going, this is the biggest commission check I've given to, to anybody. And I gave it to her. I said, and you're I happy said, to give it because right. you made just as much, if not more. And she turned around. And when she was, she, and when I said that, I said, I said, you did it. I said, good job. She goes, well, I mean, she goes, well, honestly, it's because of you. And I turned around and I went, what? And she goes, it's, you know, because, you know, because of, you know, our talk. I went, what talk? She goes, a few months ago, remember you told me if I would just make myself a priority, I could be a better friend of all, these all people of my friends. Suck your blood in that. 99% right. of the time, Matt. And she went, and she, and I looked at her and I went, went, that talk? That's the talk that get like a half-assed pep talk that I gave you after giving you five or six major talks. The half-assed one I gave you is what spoke to you? And she went, yeah, I just realized that you're absolutely right. Like if I made myself a priority, then I could do better for my friends. She goes, and I realized that I had to start saying no more in order to be a better friend. And I went, like, I you know could, what I wish for on my 40th birthday? Man? Look, but that, think about it. That's what spoke to her. So you may have the same message. I have the same it's message how you he connect. does. It's like how you that sell, right? That was what worked. If you don't adapt what you're saying to every personality, you're not going to be an effective salesperson. It's the same thing. You're delivering a message right. that needs to resonate right. to create emotion, which creates action. It's yeah. not logic. Who knows? It's emotion. Like, who knows what, why? I don't you know, know why. But my 40th birthday, I lost a lot of people in 2023. Not because they passed away, but they're dead to me. Okay. A lot of dead weight, a lot of bloodsuckers, a lot of parasites, man. And you don't realize it. You know, you're like the shark and you have all these little fish around you. And you got enough of them on your back. You're not going to flow through the ocean of life as quickly as if they were not on your back. I didn't celebrate my 40th birthday. The passage of time, I'm a little mad. I'm not exactly where I want to be at that age. And 40 is a big number, man. You know, it's like a, a, a big moment, you know, I think in most men's minds, like 40 years old, you know. And I sat there. I had a little stupid candle because one of my friends, I did nothing for my 40th birthday. And I sat there and I said, God, please help me be selfish. Please. I need to be selfish. I blew a fucking candle out. Don't fucking call me right now. I've done more favors than I can afford to. And, and, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. As stupid as it, you said your delivery was, that story resonated with me again right now. It's reminding me of the wish that I made on my birthday. Because... If you don't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of anyone else. And I'm, you know, and, and if you're always taking care of everyone else, you're last, bro. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the point right now, I got so much going on. The little, for me, it hit me when like 
people that I really loved, bro. People that I've helped, not once, not twice, but like been there morally, financially. And the one time I need a thing or two that are not even that big, like not even a big favor that they couldn't deliver. I was like, yo, something's wrong, man. Let me reassess my circle real quick. You can't do a little thing with me that there's no contract. It's saving you a shitload of money. And we both live. We both eat. You ain't my fucking friend, man. Yeah. I've sent money, put money in your pocket, been there for you. You know, I own a merchant service company, right? I handle credit card payments, right? Bro, it's a three-page application. I have no contract. And I save you money. It's like switching your cable from Verizon to Spectrum. You know, you can use any service you want. Why wouldn't you give it to your boy? Right. If you can't do something simple like that for me, after I've done years of, years, like not one favor, not two. So like to me, it's like you can't do something small like that. How the hell are you, my friend? People say don't do business with your friends and family. I beg to differ. I think those are the first people you should go do business with. Now, if you've been a fuck up your whole life, and yeah. you've lost your own credibility, then no, this doesn't apply to you. But if you've been someone with honor, integrity, you've done the right thing for people, you've helped these people out, and now you need a little bit of help, you sh- this should be the first people you ask. And if they can't reciprocate, you cut them out. And I'm not saying never talk to your family again, but you never, ever give them a second of help ever again. They can't reciprocate to you when it's something small or a little favor, whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying that's why you should help people is to just get something back from them. But if you're always helping, like this girl was always helping her friends, the one mm-hmm. that you mentioned, and the one time you need something, they don't reciprocate, bro? That's not a fucking friend, bro. Yeah. That's someone that's been using you. You need to wake up and cut this fucking cancer out of your life because that's exactly what it sounds like the girl did. She was the one, yeah, well, we'll just ask her to do it. And she'll come and move and she'll fucking wipe my ass for me. Mm-hmm. And she'll, she'll probably make the re- call. She'll be she real. realized it. I am wasting so much of my time. If I The time I'm giving to these people, if I just put into this job with Matt, I'll make 20, 30 grand. She figured it out. She did it. Thank God. That little talk probably changed her life because... She not listen once she got that check and she saw it now it's real. What Matt said to me is real, brother. I'm done. I got no more fucking time. I'm getting and listen. You're public now too. Your fucking inbox gets flooded. It's it's outrageous. Okay, no offense, you guys. I love you, man. But I'm not. I have more on my table than I can handle. I have more opportunity than I can even get to. And it's not that I'm trying to be rude to you. I love you. Thank you for your support. It's I, I, I'm not rude when I don't respond. And there's also a lot of negative shit. So it's like, I love you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting Matt. Every day, it's a, I got this, I got that. I see you here. Like, listen, I got safety concerns too, man. I got a lot of haters out there. I got a lot. So I can't just be like, oh, here's my fucking phone number. It doesn't work like that. I do that all the time. But yeah, yeah, I shouldn't. Um, but I, I, I know what you're saying. A lot no, of sometimes I don't. That's what Google numbers for, bro. If you really want to yeah, get no. a Google number, yeah. here, call this number. It's a lot of emails you know? and texts. And, it's and, crazy. And, I get, and I've got a lot of, it's funny because I'd say 95% of the people that that respond are, are positive. But I do, I get, I have probably 4 or 5% that are either middle of the road or maybe 2 or 3% that are just vicious. And, and the problem is when I first did uh, this podcast a few years ago, and it got like a million views in like three months. And I, but there was a ton, not a ton, but there's probably 20% of the people were just horrible, vicious. And I got like, like I was like arguing with people in the comment section. But now you, after. I laugh, I love them. Right, six months, after I, six months, I'm now laugh. The, no, the worse it's, it's, the comment, 
that they're hilarious. No, I know that, and I'll tell you one thing. I'm not gonna lie. When I first started my podcast, I was horrible. You're doing a phenomenal job of letting your guests speak. I was the other way, man. I was doing all the talking. Oh, I, I do too. They, but no, you're great. They butchered me, right? And I'm like, let me go back and look. I didn't even look at what I was doing. So I go back. I'm like, they're fucking right. Yeah, yeah. I wrote back. I'm like, yo, you guys are right. I'm sorry. They were like, the fact that you were possible, like, I turned my haters into my my followers. Like, they, like, yo, the fact that you were humble enough to admit that you sucked, I was like, dude, I sucked. They were like, we're going to give you another chance. Like, like, now they love me. They share my shit. So it's like, they helped me get better, you know? But I just, listen, man, I think what you do is very positive. What I try to do on my show is positive. I don't see where the room for negativity is. Now, when I talk about the Albanian situation and all that stuff, I get a lot of hatred from the people that are supposed to be traditionally my enemies. I don't hate any of these people. They need to wake up. We have the same fucking enemy right now. We're being programmed to think that we're each other's enemy when we're both in poverty. We're both suffering. We're both leaving the place that we come from because of what's going on in the world and you know the uh, movement to have like basically one world society. Right? We're avoiding certain words. That's kind of where we're at, brother. I, I pray for, for, for a bright future for all of us. America's definitely in trouble. The world's in trouble. And I'm hoping somehow 2023, hopefully something good can come out of this. Something can shift in the other direction. Hey, uh, I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, do me a favor. If you like the video, hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this. Leave me a comment in the comment section. I try and respond to almost all the comments, although I think I feel like I've been slipping the last few days. But share the video and subscribe. I really do appreciate it. I think I said subscribe twice. Also, uh, if you're interested in my story or any of the true crime books that I've written, they're all on uh, Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles and Etsy, and so are all my paintings. And anyway, regardless, I appreciate you guys watching, and see ya. Yes, yeah, so you made that.